Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Happy Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2019. Mike Abadir and Gino Bacola here. And Mike, uh, it's funny, We most weeks there's like a lot of stuff happening. This week there's not really like a ton going on. We'll have a lot of topics that we could discuss, but there's not like some huge big breaking news or the Super Bowl going on or anything like that. So it'll be a fun week for us to kind of hit a few different topics and we're going to be able to welcome in one of our contest winners who is going to be our guest at the end of the show, Robert Hagen, who was the runner-up in the Capital One Bowl Mania contest. And Robert actually had a really cool gesture, Mike. You want to tell the folks what Robert decided to do with his cash prize or with his uh, his prize uh, and his donation? Yeah, so I'm a, a, mem- a board member with the Sam Thompson Memorial Foundation. You've heard Gino and I talk about it a couple of times and uh, Dave Weaver when he's been on. And uh, we put together an event, you may all remember, uh, with Mike Smith, an autograph session at Los Alamitos. All the benefits of the signing went to the Sam Thompson Memorial Foundation. For those who don't know, Sam Thompson was a quarter horse rider at Los Al, uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Unfortunately, was killed in the line of duty, so to speak. And um, they've set up a foundation there at Los Alamitos, really to benefit not, well, initially it was just jockeys, Gino. But they've expanded it out now to like a trainer who's going through a difficult time or maybe somebody in the backstretch, et cetera, especially as it relates to injuries, medical issues. You know, you don't have enough money to cover it or the insurance to cover it because that's a big issue in horse racing, as, as we all know. Uh, and the secondary thing that the Sam Thompson Memorial Foundation does is donates money to the children who are students the children of jockeys, trainers, et cetera, who maybe need a scholarship, be able to get to a JUCO or to get to a four-year university. So we provide scholarships. Uh, every year we accept applications and then pick the winner of the scholarship for that year. So the reason I'm going through all of this is just so everybody has a little bit of a context here. Well, Bob has been kind enough, the one of the runner-ups, as Gino mentioned, for the uh, bowl game contest, to donate his winnings to the Sam Thompson Memorial Foundation. And Very believe cool. me, Gina, when I told the the board about that gesture, they were like really touched. They thought it was really, really cool. And so, um, you know, hopefully, uh, I know you said he's in Minnesota. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So we'll be talking to him. Uh, he wants to talk a little Kentucky Derby preps. And we're also going to talk a little bit about baseball. He said rule changes, some MLB topics. Uh, he's a Twins fan, so he's ready to talk Derby Trail and some MLB a lot of free agents still haven't signed. We can talk to him about how he feels uh, the depth for the Twins this year. So um, should be a fun conversation with Bob. And then over the next couple weeks, we should have a lot of our other contest winners. I think uh, we're going to have um, Larry Robertson coming up one of the next few weeks. We have Keith Coombe, who should also be coming up. And then uh, our buddy Joe. We know who uh, we're, we'll have to try to touch base with Joe McDowell, who was a, a winner of uh, the most recent contest, the football uh, the playoff football contest that we had on Yahoo Sports. So, yeah, lots of, lots of our contest winners will be joining us in the next month or so, coming in and, uh, and having their moment to shine in, uh, 
and getting half of their prize for their their guest host segment. So yeah, and you know what I think I might do while we have Bob on the show with us today is click that donate button and make that donation. The part of the winnings, like I said, for Bob, and uh, and then tweet it out uh, in his name so that the uh, whole world gets to know how cool of a guy, how generous of a guy that Bob is. Awesome stuff, Mike. So let's uh, let's start talking a little bit of, of football. I know the season is over, but the NFL season is over. But last week we saw a new football league premiere, the Alliance of American Football. This is a league that will be working hand-in-hand with the NFL. It seems like this is a league which kind of just trying to get their players prepped and ready for the NFL. I will say, Mike, on Saturday night they had a rating – that was dead even with the NBA game on ABC. So uh, for at least the first week, there were a lot of people interested. And from what I saw and a lot of the feedback and responses that I saw, it was for the most part pretty positive. I actually saw uh, a write-up, and I'll have to look this up, that they outdrew the NBA game. Yeah, I think it was slightly – it was really close, but they – Which is really crazy when you think about it. Yeah, for a brand-new league, you know, so really, really cool. Um, When we talk about it, it's just funny – the NBA seems to be like, as far as like social media and like rumors, it's it's the soap opera to follow. But when it's talking about eyeballs and people watching NFL and football is king. Without a doubt. It seems like the NBA, or not seems, the, the stats show that there's been a, a little bit of a drop off in, in terms of viewership this year in particular. I don't know if it's just one of those things that's cyclical. I don't know if it's kind of a little bit tired of, of the Warriors and LeBron and not necessarily a lot of mystery outside of that. Um, could be that there's just a lot of teams that are kind of in that rebuild slash tank mode. So, you know, I don't know. I, I don't follow it enough to know. Perhaps you have some thoughts on it. But to me, no, it's yeah, kind it's, of a NFL is ever football is king and b- basketball is kind of in a little bit of a slump. I think it's kind of it's the usually, intersection of both. Yeah, this is kind of like a, a little bit of a lull time for basketball also um, right after the Super Bowl. And then right around March Madness, you know, in a couple weeks, the college basketball will take over for a little while. And then the end of the season and then the playoffs and the NBA will, will kind of have a little bit of an uptick. So it kind of sounds like you're in, indirectly saying that the season might be a little bit too long. I mean, a lot of people have said that. I think 60, like 65 games to 70 games would just be much better, personally. <laughs> Actually, this year I don't want that with the Lakers. They need a few more games to, to get into the playoffs. But for the most part, generally – like 80, the 80 and 80 plus is just a little bit too much. Like 65 would be perfect. I think a lot of people say that with baseball too. Like if you were to cut like 15 or 20 games off the baseball season, I don't think much would be impacted. It's just one of those things where it's like for the traditions and the numbers and all that stuff, people want yeah, to I was just gonna say because, the same uh, records and all that stuff, you know? Yeah, because baseball is way more like cumulative in terms of stats, whereas basketball is more about averages, right? Yeah, yeah. Average rebounds per game, average point. So it doesn't really mess up a whole lot, but in baseball would because it's very hard to compare apples and oranges, wins for a pitcher, home runs, RBI, steals, so on and so forth. Um, I would say this. Because the regular season is so long and because so many playoff teams get in, I'd like to see a little bit more excitement in the playoff format. That's just I, me personally. In the NBA, I think the best way to do it is they've been talking about it recently would be the 1 through 16, seeding the teams and and just kind of getting away with the East and the Western Conference. How about even like a first round of some sort of one and done? Even yeah. if it's as small as baseballs. Some you know, sort of just a, have that one a game. Play-in, one a, a play-in for yeah. the eighth spot. You Something know, like that. 
something. And I've heard yeah, it because that's what it works for March Madness, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Uh, and it's it's gotten a little bit, you know, it's it does like you say things are cyclical, but. We'll, it, no, I guess we'll see with the with the player movement, and now this year it looks like the East have four pretty good teams towards the top of the, the Eastern Conference. But I mean, you look at the rest of the, the the Eastern Conference, and you have like thirteen or fourteen teams in the West that are better than probably everyone but the top five, maybe six in the East. And so that's when it starts to get a little bit out of hand because it's literally like. To twice as many good teams in one conference as it is the other and then things you know like little things that people don't talk about or like even think about like all-stars you know like people have in their contracts if you make an all-star team they get bonuses they get bumps you know a guy like rudy gobert was very upset that he got snubbed from the all-star and then if that he, crying was a little bit excessive with, oh yeah first, oh sure uh, it, it was yeah. a little much but <laughs> if he's in the east i mean he's a lock to make the all-star team sure you know uh, d'angelo russell and i think you were good. a little bit generous by the way seeing maybe the top six in the east uh, you know, I think top uh, look I mean, Brooklyn Indiana, Nets, Indiana Charlotte, without, Detroit, without probably not anymore. And then after that, I mean, Brooklyn's the only team that is actually feisty. But after it, like they they could but win. They're not going to win a championship. No, no, no. Hornets but they, they could win a Pistons. game in a series. No, the, the Hornets, the Pistons. I think the only you know I'm I'm thinking t- Toronto, Milwaukee, Philly, Boston. Uh, Indiana was okay when they had Oladipo. Now without him, they're not going to have an opportunity to, to win a playoff series most likely. And even Brooklyn is like, they're punching over their weight class right now. But they're at least a, a well-coached team that plays good basketball. And they, they're not a team that's way under 500. The rest of those teams, I mean, it's it's bad. It's bad. And then you look at, you know, you look at the West and we've talked about teams like Dallas and Minnesota and even new Orleans with all that they've had. Like if Anthony Davis is playing and drew holiday is playing and Julius Randall is playing like, that's a good, that team is talent. Like they have some players uh, out there. So, um, yeah, it'll, uh, do, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit last year of all of the major sports, which of the all-star like weekends, games, the festivities, do you like the most baseball? It's, I don't know. It's not even a second thought. Yeah, I mean, I think to me, it's got to be baseball, basketball. Like those two are real. Like fo- football, we don't even really t- see the Pro Bowl. Now they're doing all sorts of different contests and different things to try to gain gauge a little interest. Hockey, not quite necessarily. College, we don't really see a whole lot of All Star games and things like that. But I at least like like baseball game is still played the most close to how the game is played in the season. Right? Yeah, we don't we don't see a game where the guys don't give a crap of what's happening during a game like no no see, the only difference right is, is really just the, the one the, inning the, pitchers maybe yeah, just the, they the don't pitching, go as long exactly. or, yep. or just everybody plays maybe two or three innings and then they're out you know but every, everyone that's subbing in is is playing top level whereas in the nba we see them just not play any defense till maybe the last five minutes of the game and then like nowadays with the three-point shooting how it is like how many points might they score this weekend in the all-star game i mean everybody's shooting threes as much as they do yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, you know, I think we, yeah, I mean, when you're talking about all-star games, baseball also has kind of a lot of uh, very rich tradition. They were the first of all of the major sports to have an all-star game, and it's really the only game where you could look back historically and cite moments, very special moments. 
whether it be Pete Rose barreling Ray Fossey, Reggie Jackson hitting the ball out of ty- old Tiger Stadium. Torrey Hunter, uh, Robin Pons, right? There you go. Oh, Suck Larry like Walker and Randy Johnson, when uh, uh, he went to face him, remember? And he uh, turned his hat Randy, back. Uh, was that Larry Walker or John Cruck? I think it was, was it John Cruck. Was it Cruck? Okay, yeah. Who was it with Randy Johnson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just, just some epic moments. That great moments. Any, great moments. Yeah, that any, any a, fan knows about. Uh, how about Bo few, Jackson? Bo Jackson leading off, hitting a home run off Rick Russell, and then having a great defensive play, I believe, in the bottom of the inning or the very next inning. Yeah, just so many great moments where I don't know any really in, in, in basketball outside of I, well, agree when somebody's about to retire, maybe. You know what I mean? You. I was going to say the, the Jordan one, the year when Jordan was with the Wizards and like everybody was like trying to force give him the MVP, you know, yeah. it was a really close game. They were going back and forth and, I, and he had the last shot. Um, sometimes when like Kobe and Shaq, played against each other after leaving or um there was a another or the magic johnson one was also one after magic got sick when he came back that was kind of a moment but yeah that the the moments in in the baseball all-star game and even the weekend like i think of all of the non games like if we're just talking about the events they have by far the home run derby is the most interesting to me and i think the way that they've revamped the rules the last couple of years has actually made it even better and more interesting with the time clock now. Yeah. I, I like it. I, I, I like, I like what they've done with that. The other thing too, in terms of the other events, it seems like they've even the games itself, actually they've changed the formats around so much in some of these other it's games, hard to follow, really hard to follow. And I think because of that, it's impossible you know to have what, any history. You know what everybody's trying to do. They're just trying to hit Jack. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. It's not that hard to follow. And even with like, the contest that used to be really, really fun, we just don't like, you know, because everybody doesn't want to get hurt or this or that. Like, we don't ever see the best three or four guys in the slam dunk contest, you know? Like, no. the, th- the three-point shootout's okay, you know, when you get Clay and Steph and, you know, Duran or Dirk or some of those guys in there, and it's a little bit fun. But we d- we don't see the, like, the Jordan-Dominique or, you know, the Vince Carter, you know, slam dunk contest early on. Even the one with Dwight and Nate Robinson, I remember, was was kind of fun because you had Dwight Howard and Nate Robinson like polar opposites. But the last like four or five years, you just don't get you don't get pe- names that the average person would know. That's that's the problem. Like no one, you're not going to really tune in to watch someone in a slam dunk contest that you don't know very well. Yeah, you, you know, I I enjoyed the Blake Griffin one. It seemed yeah, like he took yeah, it pretty seriously and tried to be creative about it. Yeah, yeah, that was but good. But for the most part, yeah, I mean, I think they've run out of ideas, too. I think that's the other happen. thing. So you don't yeah. have the names, and you've kind of run out of ideas. It's It's been kind of a showcase for maybe a younger person who's trying to get his name out there, and it's done a pretty good job for that. I think what was like Levine a few years ago kind of was uh, put on the map. Yeah, Zach Levine, you're right. You know, you, that type you, of thing, yeah. So it's I mean, it's. It's it's all right, when you know. On, I mean, when it's, it's on, about on it. Saturday night, like I'll throw it on in the background, you know. Yeah, and uh, something like that. But of the by far, I'm I'm always the most interested in baseball. Like I'll yeah. actually sit down and watch the game. My buddies and I will always do a little home run derby pool where we pick randomly, you know, who who and and it's this is the most fun. So and I really yeah, exactly. do. Like, I like the way they've changed it up. Now, way. how we got to this point in the conversation was because we started talking about the AAF. The all uh, the 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 new Lions startup football, football league that's that's surfaced for opening weekend was last weekend and uh, we started comparing it to the NBA ratings and that type of thing. Getting back and then obviously we're headed to the NBA All Star game. Getting back to the AAF, the thing to me that's makes it very likely to be successful is from the top down. You have legitimacy. Yes. starting from Bill Polian, people who run it to the broadcast deals that they have. 
I remember you and I were kind of trying to look it up maybe about six months ago to see yeah. which media outlets are involved in that type of thing. They have kind of a unique situation where it's uh, not only on CBS, it's broadcast on, I think, two other networks, kind of similar to how the NFL maybe yeah. will start off on NFL Network for Thursday night games or Fox for Thursday night games, then the NFL Network, and they kind of work together. They simulcast kind of together. I like They're doing something like that. So I, I think it's good because it. a lot of people will land on an ESPN, an FS1, CBS. or a CBS uh, for sports on a weekend, just yeah. knowing that there's going to be college basketball or something on CBS during this time of year. And so it's smart. It's very smart to be able to do that. Some of the other leagues got a little bit fancy, and they really didn't have a lot of suitors necessarily. So they ended up like on – Remember the old channel called Esquire Network? I don't even yep. know if it's around yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. So the other thing, too, is that they they were smart in that they immediately contacted guys right after they got cut so that those guys stay focused and fresh. When I say cut, released from uh, NFL Practice clubs. squads or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they got guys that were, were fresh NFL players, guys that are good enough to be in the NFL. So now you're talking about guys that are kind of special teams players, you know, a lot of times, especially back in the day, your number six wide receiver was groomed to end up being the number three or the number two or sky's the limit. In this day and age, it's a little bit different. Usually you're hanging on to your top two or three receivers and then recycling and getting the best of the best out of college, whether it be undrafted free agents or whatnot. Every two to three years, you keep your rosters fresh. That way you stay under the salary cap. So there's a lot of casualties. And you're going to see a lot of them populate into this league and then the XFL, which is going to be coming up pretty soon as well. So that's in terms of the competition, the setup, the television. And yeah, the games are actually pretty decent. I was going to say, the let's, let's decent. I want to talk a little bit more about this. So let's stick on this topic. We're coming up on, uh, on a break right now, but stay tuned, folks. We're not going anywhere. We're going to continue talking about the AAF. We'll transition a little bit more into some baseball news. We'll talk about that Flacco trade. And, Mike, I want to get your thoughts on how John Elway has been as an NFL executive compared to how he was as an NFL quarterback. So don't go anywhere, folks. We're going to take a quick break here on the Mike Abadir Show. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. 
Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show. And, uh, Mike, one of the things I thought was uh, was good for the AAF in their first week did you see the hit like early on in that first game that Berkovici I think got laid out and it was no penalty a completely clean hit he got leveled and it was like a real it was going all over social media you need things like that some a little bit of buzz or something to get people go oh okay let's turn on the tv and and watch this game yeah that was a former ASU quarterback right yeah 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 I mean the funny thing is he got beat the heck out of him at ASU too. I remember watching those those Pac-12 games and I was like, man, this guy this kid's not a bad quarterback, but he's just getting the heck thrown uh, like he's just, like a ragdoll just thrown around and and then he takes a hit like that in this league, uh, you know, you you're right. You need moments like that where people say, "Did you see that?" and to have a 8-second video on social media being passed around on Instagram and Twitter and that type of thing, and kind of that sports center moment, that was there, really, really big for them. And there was one more when they they showed the the referee, the the judge making the decision. Did you see that video also where they Yeah, had people the, like the, the transparency. That's what people want, man. And I saw so many people like we we love horse racing, like so many horse racing fans are going, Man, wouldn't it be great if we could get that like the stewards when they're looking at an inquiry and just and making a disqualification? I love that because she was watching the play. You could hear her like thinking it out loud, just talking out loud. Okay, don't see it, don't see it, do see, see it, don't give me a different angle. I got it, got you know, I'm gonna change my mind. And that was like as a fan, that's awesome. I love that, especially with how much crap there was in the last, yeah. what, six weeks of the NFL season with, with the know. officiating. I mean, that is something that's refreshing. And I and you you know that they're doing that as a direct response to what happened a few weeks ago in the Saints-Rams game. Absolutely. I think I think the more moments or the more gadgets or the more you know technology, whatever the case, it, where people could say, man, that's better than the NFL, yeah. that's really good for them. You can't and really- I think XFL will probably even be that times whatever, I only agree. because of the people that are involved and the money that the deep pockets that they've got. And I think McMahon learned after the first time, too. And you know what? Let's get the good. I don't need to be as involved. He's not going to be out there like he was. Vince McMahon, this is the XFL. Like I, we're not going to see as much of that. I think he's no. going to be a lot more behind the scenes because he realized, you know what, that didn't work the first time through. 
And so bottom line, he is an entertainment guru, oh, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. And he's, he's so, right, yeah. So, I mean, I, I trust that they're going to do a really good job this go around. The key is doing the things that you're talking about, the innovative things where people can look at it and say, man, they do this better than the NFL. The NFL should do that. Every time that somebody utters that, that's great for a league like this. Um, you want yeah, to still I mean, be football, but you want to just you want it's got to be a little different. You can't just try to do the NFL, but not as good of players and not as good of quality. You you have to have some some new things, just like we said, just these little tweaks and those things. Right off the bat, you got positive buzz from people. Yeah, people were then, excited about it in week one. So we'll exactly. see how it how it holds up. But it could have been a bad start, and then everybody goes, "We're not even going to give this league a shot." At least now you've got some some goodwill built up where people are going to give you a, an opportunity. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how many guys get plucked from um, from these rosters to an NFL roster, which guys flourish at the NFL level, which guys you know get a chance to start. And you see guys come from the CFL. You know, Cameron Wake with the Dolphins is a beast. You know, and he came from the CFL, and he was relatively unknown, but developed his game over there a little bit more, refined his craft, and took full advantage. And you know, is amongst the sack leaders. You know typically year in, year out when he's healthy. And if you have a few guys like that on both sides of the ball, especially if you have a quarterback like a Kurt Warner who was in the Arena Football League, come to the, you know, out of this league to the NFL and do well, those are all going to be really, really good things to establish credibility where people could look at it and say, you know what, this is a legit developmental league. This is the quote-unquote minor league system that we've always wanted. And I wouldn't doubt if the NFL doesn't, do something to actually have affiliates like MLB has with their minor league system. So where maybe like the West region can pluck the, the San Diego fleet players, you know, so the Cardinals and, and Raiders and Rams and Niners, you know, uh, as an example, chargers would be able to pluck guys from this team, make Absolutely. it a little more, it's region, a great idea. something yeah. like that. It's so we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but overall Let, good start for it. Let's keep, in football, let's move over to the NFL. There was a pretty big trade when when you talk about a very high-paid quarterback moving, and we saw but the Baltimore Ravens, who basically benched Joe Flacco down the stretch last year when they were struggling, and it was Lamar Jackson who got them into the playoffs and who was very exciting. So they looked like they had their quarterback of the future. They trade Joe Flacco to the Broncos, and so now for John Elway, it's funny, after such a great start to his career as an NFL executive, when he wins the Super Bowl and he, he you know he makes the change to get rid of Tebow and to bring in Peyton Manning, his decision-making as far as finding quarterbacks since then really hasn't been great, Mike. So this this is a definitely like a polarizing trade for a lot of people out there because Flacco, just plain and simple, he hasn't been great the last couple of years. Brock Osweiler, Trevor Simeon. Uh, well, the, the one that he drafted Lynch, Lynch. Yeah, he drafted you know? Lynch. He dropped. He used a second round pick on Osweiler before Russell Wilson was drafted. Eighteen picks before. Think about that one. Oh, you pick Osweiler instead. That doesn't of, surprise me about about Elway though, because he's he's the prototypical six four. Once the big athletic guy with a cannon of an guy, arm. Whereas that's not what Wilson is. That's yeah, so, so he that, didn't that, have even, the look that Elway wanted. Even that know? one, you can give him because everybody makes mistakes in the draft. Right, like everybody over projects or under projects people all all the time. Yeah, but I think if he had a redo, he would not take Russell Wilson. He probably was still. That's wouldn't. why. He, right. That's why he's interested in Flacco because Flacco's kind of that wide-shouldered, you know, yeah, six yeah. four, six five type Max quarterback, Lynch big was body. Six, seven, you know. Yeah. And he got beat out by Trevor Simeon, and then even last year, you know, because I remember 
last year after the Vikings, I was a lot higher on Case Keenum than you were, and you were completely right in saying, I think this was in some way just a really weird year that he was very, that good. You weren't really expecting him to be great in Denver. I was higher on Denver coming into the year than you were, and they were mediocre at best, mainly because they have a good defense. He played okay, which is funny because he was actually the best quarterback they've had since Peyton Manning, like based on QBR. And so now you have Joe Flacco and Case Keenum both there. Flacco's going to make 20 million ish over the next each year, over the next three years, they can cut him after one year, but Keenum's also going to get a hit on the cap for 10 million. So you're paying like $30 million in quarterbacks this year. And they're both probably below average. Do you think Flacco's an upgrade? I don't think I think it's pretty lateral, right? I mean, I don't I don't know if the thirty four year old Flacco is an upgrade over Keenum. Keenum. The only thing is- that I'd give him the benefit of the doubt about is that he has never been surrounded by a lot of offensive weapons. And that's the question: Is he know? now? No, Demarius Thomas. You know, they traded him. No, Emmanuel Sanders. Like Emmanuel Sanders. Was, I mean, they, do they have the pieces? You know, we'll we'll see. Uh, you know, Phillips had a, a good rookie season and Copeland and. You know, we'll see if these guys were kind of I like Lindsay. overlooked, yeah, I like, or I like. if they were, if if they're going to be bona fide player. Are they, is it the next Terrell Davis? Terrell Davis was an undrafted free agent uh, out of Southern Georgia, and nobody knew who he was. He's in the Hall of Fame. Is he more like that, or is he a flash in the pan? We never hear about him again. So we'll see. I don't think that he's ever had a ton of weapons in Baltimore. I know no, there was no, I, I that they went to uh, the Super Bowl and and. Somehow, some way, they kind of scored a lot of points, um, you know, especially late in the season. But they, they, uh, he had that one yeah. run. Isn't it funny yeah. how, like, how much one, you know, month period where you get hot, you play three or four good games, and sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes you play one or two good games, and the other team doesn't show up, and now and you become a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And then once you have that reputation, I mean, think about how many players win at least a couple that come to mind win the Super Bowl and they get to live off that especially quarterbacks for a while I mean Eli Manning comes to mind he's struggled for a while now Joe Flacco's another one who has struggled for a while now um he probably get like a like a 10-year run you do no you you get you you get so much leeway after that one win where your fans just can't they don't want to throw you away because you're you, you won them a Super Bowl but which uh, kind of funny though, because the Super Bowl loser doesn't get the same, you know, and it's just one game, one less game the than the winner. So yeah, like Kaepernick's like out of the league. That's a whole different story. I don't even want to bother getting into that right now. But you know, aside from the political aspects of it, his game really didn't translate to the NFL level after those two years. Once people figured him out, and uh, so yeah, it's just kind of funny thing. that he didn't get that that cred. To keep him in the game, the loser never does for whatever reason. Which is so funny because that's not the difference between having a great year and a bad year, or not a bad, or just a an unbelievable all time year. It shouldn't just be three points sometimes, right? One drive that wasn't even the quarterback's fault if the defense makes a bad play. How about this? A a field goal made or a field goal missed? Sure, right. That changes everything. Oh, you suck now. Oh, you're great now. Really. Same thing. It's funny in the NBA too. Same things happen, especially I'm, I've noticed it a lot this year with the Lakers with like a being tumultuous. It's like you lose a game to Houston and you're terrible, but it, you were up by three and you lose. You know what I mean? Just like the difference between winning and losing is just so so small. And it, that's why 
for me in particular as someone who like handicaps the races a lot and looks at that like you have to take process into account along with the results you know it has you have to use both results matter and results will always matter over process but the process does matter with the results too you have to be able to look at both of them in the um <laughs> it's it's just amazing yeah like, and before we transition into the uh mlb free agents and and uh kind of the second half of the nba season you brought up horse racing and i actually want to kind of go off script here and, and mention an incident that happened yesterday and get your thoughts on it. I'm not sure if uh, you even know what I'm talking about or maybe Tampa you Bay. fully know. So yeah, Tampa, there was a race and Daniel Centeno was on the even money favorite. He's about 50 yards from the wire, apparently loses balance, falls off his horse. You know, you had a lot of winners, obviously uh, people hoping that he's going to win. He's even money favorite. So he's on a lot of tickets, whether it be pick fours, pick fives, exactas, win bets, place bets, you name it. Falls off the horse, and there were three horses that were heading towards the finish line together. Ended up being a hundred and twelve to one over a seventy to one over an eleven to one over an eleven to one. Yeah, for whatever reason, Tampa. The word is, I don't know if they always show their head-ons. Well, or no, not. they did. Apparently, they, did this they, morning. they didn't have it, so they, they put they, it up this morning. Yeah. So yeah. So that was that was the the. See, I always was, thought that when either a horse or a rider falls, they like to kind of delete that so that people don't see that, it, especially when it comes to the animal. And that's what I thought that happened there. Yeah, and that's why I think they put it up this morning because um, the they're both okay. The horse and the rider are both okay. And they were getting a lot of people online that were saying something was weird about this. This seems shady. This seems shady. Why can't we see the head on? Which is that, ridiculous to me. Are you tell me he wants to commit suicide? No, I no. Mean, if you're going to fall off your horse. You wouldn't do that when, no, when you have a stampede it's, behind you. It's it just, the, the, the thing is, is for, there's a lot of, there are a lot of betters who plain and simple. have been screwed over by racetracks, plain and simple a lot of time. And, and so they have a sour taste in their mouths. And I, so I understand sometimes when people come out with, um, with stances like this or think, thinking a race is being fixed or this or that. But you, I don't, you can't ever like say something until you've seen everything. Like if you see a head on and something looks weird, then you can make that comment. But I, I just thought it wasn't fair to make that comment until you saw the head on. Cause then as soon as you see the head on, he goes to the whip and the horse just totally freaks out with the whip. And it's obvious that he is just falls off. I'll I mean, tell you got, what, every person lucky. that's like actually intimately, lucky. yeah, I was going to say every person that's intimately involved in the industry, whether it be a trainer or a exercise rider or something like that, that commented on Twitter to some of these posts was a thousand percent like, you guys are crazy. That's just too- he clearly fe- was off balance yeah. and fell off. Don't even make such allegations or accusations. I mean, and when I, I saw that many people saying it from so many different tracks, I was like, dude, they got to be right. These are insiders. They know what's going yeah. on. They do this every day. So I think some of those people are sour grapes a little bit. Th- somebody else came up with a rumor that supposedly with uh, three minutes to post, somebody did an 85 double, yeah. street double 10 with all. Well, here's what I did. I took the pool amount, which was 42000 I deducted the tracks takeout, the 24, 25%, whatever it is at Tampa. And I calculated it. If that was the case, and by the way, the favorite, heavy favorite, won the very next leg. If that rumor it was true, that means the only person practically that hit that was that guy. Yeah. It paid three thirty-five. So there would have been eighty-five tickets to him, and then ten to the rest of the world. 
I don't buy that for a split second because I know as a fact so many people will do a double all with the favorite and go heavy on it if they really like that favorite. And I assume that they did. It was three to five or four to five or whatever in that last night. That's a very common play for people that want to, they don't want to make three to five or four to five. So how do you stretch it out? How do you make that a bigger payoff? You try to connect on a double. So there's no way in my mind that that was even a possibility. I don't think that that rumor even makes any sense at all. Who the hell plays an $85 double? And if you look, the exacta pool was untouched. The try was untouched. The super was untouched. And the win price. 112 to 1. So you tell me that the only thing that this guy wanted to do was a double because he just knew that Centennial was going to fall off and 100 to 1 was going to win? Yeah, I've been, I've, been, I've been hit and, and like hurt a little bit by horse racing myself and as someone who's been a fan my whole life. And I, I didn't – like if I, I wouldn't talk someone off of – or somebody called me, hey, I think this race might have been fixed. Or, hey, look, these jockeys may not have been riding their horse all the way to the wire. Or, hey – this course didn't break well, or maybe this his last race, they stiffed him a little bit, and he's going to... Like, all of those things, I don't believe they happen as much as some people do. They do happen. But they do happen, but, sure. But they do happen, but when it comes to something like this, where the mar- I mean, the margin for error, if that guy, for him to fall off the horse and not get stepped on his head or paralyzed or break your neck, like, you don't... This is the way they used to say it. They don't teach you how to fall like that. I mean, you know what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to curl up and cover up, but you can't just go jumping off a horse with the whole field coming behind you and just assume you're not going to get hit. I don't think that would be worth it for anyone. No, I that's really why don't. I was like, did Santana want to commit suicide? There's no yeah. way that, I mean, that's the case. No, I thought that was no, kind of a joke. Yeah. yeah, so and as soon as you saw the if head you were off. To, how about this? If you're a jockey, Gino, and you were going to stiff the public by falling off, wouldn't you do it right out of the starting gate? Because it seems like that's oftentimes when it happens. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think that'd be the easiest. And it's also, not even it's hard to get the zoom in. Uh, I don't even know if tracks have enough to, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they do, but you never really see the like in, insane zoom in outside of maybe a loss out quarter horse racing where you're able to exactly see what, what happened when a jockey falls off. So it would be pretty easy to kind of disguise it, I would think. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I saw a lot of that, and I think I think any of the people who were like, who were who had the pitchforks yesterday, as soon as they saw the head-on, they just stopped right away because they said, "Yep, oh, yeah." And more than anything, people just didn't like that they couldn't see the head-on, so then they created things in their head as to why, you know. And then once you had the opportunity to see it, it was uh it was over. But Mike, it's uh it's about time for us to take another break, and then when we return, we're gonna have on our guest for today. It was. The Capital One Bull Mania, one of the contest winners, Robert Hagen. He is on hold right now. So let's take a quick commercial break. When we return, we'll be back with Minnesota Bob. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com. this is the mike abadir show if you want to call in today we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144 That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadeershow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Uh, Home stretch time here on the Mike Abadeer Show. Gino and Mike, we've been talking sports. We've been really kind of just kind of floating around wherever it's taken us so far today. A little baseball, a little football, talking some basketball, all-star game, horse racing. And now we are, are going to welcome in our guest this week. He was one of the winners in the Capital One Bowl Mania contest with an awesome entry. And he wants to talk a little Minnesota baseball today and some Kentucky Derby. We welcome in Robert Hagen. Robert, Bob, thanks for joining us, buddy. What's up, Bob? Uh, thank, thanks for having me, guys. Robert, Absolutely. So, uh, how, uh, before we get into the good stuff, how did you come across the show uh, and uh, and what made you get involved in that contest? Well, you know, Gino, I really loved it when you were on TVG. You know, Bonkers for Yonkers was one of the great <laughs> things. I, I missed Bonkers that and I, I missed the Flamin' Wheelie bus, you know. Those were uh, good times. That, you know, we uh, really enjoyed watching you and the commentary you had. It was, uh, you know, your enthusiasm was great and... Uh, it was a great time watching you on TVG. So I found you on Twitter and uh, then started following you. And uh, I said, wow, he's doing a Capital Bowl mania. I, I should get in on that. And uh, lo and behold, I, 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 I got lucky. Boom. Well, not, well done. And now we, uh, we can hear about your Kentucky Derby contenders. Uh, we talked a little bit during the break. You've been handicapping the races. You've been. It, it's this is Kentucky Derby prep time right now. Every week, it seems like there's another prep for either the the Phillies or for the boys gaining these Kentucky Derby points now. And now with the point system, it's a little bit different than it was 10, 15 years ago, where it was just based on earnings. So let's uh let's start here with some of these three year olds and some of these Derby horses. Tell us a couple of the horses that you like, Robert. Well, you know the the uh, the uh, you know pair of Bafferts out there, game winner and, and improbable, are uh, you know you, you can't really beat them. Uh, you know they're both very good, both very undefeated, and uh, you know and the, you know improbable is probably my top pick right now. 
same, I, I with the same connection is like, justified there. Yeah, I think I like him a little bit more than game winner just between the two of them. But, you know, Baffert's absolutely loaded. I think we're going to get to see them run maybe once or twice each. But so for you, those are the top two that are kind of ahead of everyone else right now? Well, I actually put Hidden Scroll above uh, Game Winner. Oh, uh, nice. Just because, uh, my goodness, that was one, one uh, you know, that was a, a really good race. All the good jockeys were in there, all the good owners, all the good trainers. And, and he schooled them. You know, Impressive. Uh, probably running in in the Fountain of Youth, I would imagine. I think that's where they're pointing. And what you, what's nice about that horse is you've seen a horse that has won. You, you don't necessarily know that he needs a sloppy track. But, man, we've seen with a lot of these derbies and these Triple Crown races the last few years, it's always nice when you know a horse can run on a sloppy track. Yeah. You know, I've cashed a lot of tickets on Bill Mott on his second start horse that second goes timers. off at 5-6-1. to one. But here is a Mott first-time starter, and he schooled them. So, uh, actually, so, uh, Bob, let me ask you then. So, uh, what circuits do you mainly focus on? It sounds like you have some pretty good knowledge of the of the West Coast circuit, Santa Anita circuit, SoCal. Uh, but what circuits do you like playing? I like, uh, you know, I like Gulfstream this time of year. Um, I am a big fan of Oakland. Uh, got to go there last couple of years. Just love oh, wow. that little town of Hot Springs. I heard that's amazing, um, I, you know, right? The town's amazing. They said they really love their horse racing there. That's one track that I've amazing. never had the opportunity to go to. Yeah, you see a little old lady walking out of the grocery store with a daily racing form under her arm, you know. <laughs> you know <laughs> where do you great. see that? That's great. And uh, But, you know, all, all the New York circuits are great in the summer, too. Uh, Saratoga, especially. And, you know, then my home track is Canterbury, which... Uh, it's a nice little track. Paul Allen does a great job on the announcing, you know, uh, voice of the Minnesota Vikings as well. And, and uh, you yeah, know, great so announcer. It, it's a good, tra- great announcer. Good, good little track. You know, it, it's Love a it. mid to low level track, but it's a lot of fun. It's fun. It's so fun. The How often do you go out there? Oh, I probably a uh, couple days a week when it's open. I'm oh, a okay. good friend with one of the quarter horse trainers there. And, uh, so I get a little insight there and get uh, you know back in the barns a little bit with them and stuff. And been over to Canterbury before. It's uh it's fun. I, and I loved. I worked a lot of those nights on those Thursday nights or the night racing they would have. What I what I like yeah. with Canterbury as you mentioned, it's a smaller track, but they understand. They get it. They try to change things up. They try to have fun. They do the different racing. They seem like they have a lot of events and. Everyone that's out there, always positive, 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 you know, about, about the it's, experience. It's a really good vibe out there, especially Thursday and Friday nights. Nice young crowd. And, uh, you know, we're Minnesotans, so we bet $2 to show. But, you know, <laughs> uh, it's kind of frustrating at times being a player more so. Now, but, uh, what do you do when you're not playing, by the way? What kind of uh, line of business are you in? I, uh, I'm an accountant for an animal feed business. Oh, so, oh, nice. Uh, vaguely in the horse racing realm, if you will. Well, let's okay. let's, and, uh, let's continue along with your top uh, with your top five list. So we talked about Hidden Scroll, Game Winner, Improbable. So far, uh, who are some of the others that you like? Well, there's two running on Saturday in the Risen Star: uh, War of Will and Country House. Yeah. Um, one thing in particular about War of Will I found really fascinating. He is uh, um, very much turf breeding, 
and, and he ran in three graded stakes on poly and turf before breaking his maiden, which was on dirt. And now he draws the outside post in the, in the Risen Star, and his trainer, Mark Cassie, calls him Wow. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> which is notable, I think. And, uh, so, and, and you get Tyler G on him, which is one of my favorite jockeys. So I, I think he's got a, you know, he, I think he'll be probably the favorite. But another one to watch in there is Country House. That's the one I like. I think he'll be, That's the one I like. He'll be 10 or 15 yeah. to 1. And another Bill Mott horse. And you have Saez on him, I think. And, you know, if you watch his last start, he stumbled out of the gate, and then he just won easily. Right. Hey, he he was off the screen. Last. Yeah, he was yeah. dead last. They were going slow. When I watched the race, um, it really reminded me a lot of the race that Orb won in an allowance race down at Gulfstream Park when he was at the back of the pack. Sure. They were going slow, and then he moved to the front. I loved it because Gulfstream, you don't see horses come from off the pace like that, and you don't see horses come from off the pace in really slow fractions like that. So visually, mm-hmm. I was extremely impressed with him. I think because that race was so impressive, he'll probably be, be bet down a little bit. But, I mean, if he's anything or even like 6 or 8 to 1 with War of Will, the likely favorite, you and I might make some money this weekend if we can get Country House yeah. on Robert. I like that. I like that That'd one. be nice. Yeah. Um, awesome. So for Robert, the horses to keep an eye on now as we move forward, Hidden Scroll, Country House, Improbable, Game Winner, and War of and Will. one more I'd be – and one more would be Global Campaign. Okay, yeah. Another Florida horse that will likely be pointing to the Fountain of Youth. Right. That, that's going to be a yeah. loaded race, that Fountain of Youth that should be coming up with a few of the horses who exited the Holy Bull. And we're also going to see um, the horse that you mentioned earlier, Hidden Scroll. Probably that all, that one also. Maximus Mischief, who came out of that race. So that, that'll be one of the tougher prep races, I think, uh, the Fountain of Youth. Because now it's fun for me, Robert, when I see – these races at fairgrounds, the, when I see the Risen Star, to me, that's always like the signal that things are starting to pick up. Business is starting to pick up now with these bigger prep races. Yeah, then you get the Razorback, and it, it, you, get, you get good races. It's just it's a lot of fun this time of year, especially in cold, old flyover Minnesota. You know, you need something. So, so you're, we're coming up from, and we're going to transition from horse racing as baseball season is now starting. Yeah. And uh, you said you're a, a Twins fan. How do you feel this year with the, the Twins? What do you think about their roster? Any of the moves that they made? Just kind of give us the overall view of uh, how you feel as a Twins fan heading into the year. And they just gave a seven-year extension, by the way, to Polanco. I don't know if you saw that today, uh, Bob. Yeah, and, and Kepler today, too. It's uh, nice. two nice young players, and uh, you know they're two, three-year-old players, and so they still got upside. I think they're both like 24, 25. And, and uh, you know, it's nice to get Nelson Cruz this year. I'm a little disappointed they didn't go grab a, you know, a couple of pitchers. That was um, what I was going to ask. Think, How's the rotation? I, like, is the rotation, it's Berrios, Odorizzi, <laughs> Gibson, Pineda, Martin Perez. Is Is that enough? Uh, you know, they got a couple in the minors that could be okay come up. Uh, this uh, Fernando Romero, he might be end up being a reliever. Um, then they got this 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 Brewster Gratterall. He's probably more of a year or two away, so he's probably off the radar this year. But um, they got some, but I, I I still think they could. Kim Kimbrel makes so much sense on this team. 
um, we need a closer. It, it stabilizes everything. You can't be giving away games in April. It just gets your dauber down, you know? And you don't need it's much a momentum in, game. in a pretty weak division. A division that's not that strong from top to bottom, you know, one or two moves makes you a real contender in there. I, I think so. You know, we, we got, you know, it, it all relies on Buxton and, and Sano bouncing back and being what they're supposed to be, you know. Taking the next quality step, players. progressing. Yeah. You know, Bob, what do you think yeah. about the possibility that your uh, Minnesota Twins may have to face Bryce Harper or Machado with the White Sox? Um, and, and part B of that is, what are your thoughts about a lot of these free agents still being unsigned out there? Do you think this is a message from the owners that we want to shy away from these 10-year deals that just have not panned out for us? Yeah, you know, there's something broken there, you know, and uh, the, the NBA has these max contracts, which kind of levels the playing field a, a bit. And, and I think they need to go in that direction somehow. And that, that'll be a big stumbling block with the players union, I would imagine. But it, it seems to be broken that you know, they got three really good quality players, difference makers, and Kimbrell and Machado and Harper. They, they got a, they, they should land right away, you know? And we, uh, think? we only have about two minutes left or so with Mike before we end the show. But you were talking, Mike, uh, about some rule changes um, in general. I'm not sure if you were talking about rule changes you'd like to see, positives, negatives, but what, what kind of changes would you like to see made in baseball? Uh, boy, I, I'm all for the universal DH, you know, it, it just pains me to watch these pitchers go up and bad, especially <laughs> American bad. pitchers. It's pretty you bad. Know? It is. It is. And most it of the time they just don't care. Yeah, yeah, they don't. And, you know, it's so I think that's one that needs to, it's long overdue and, I don't know about this pitch clock thing. I, you know, they don't ever want to talk about how much you know commercials are between innings either. But you know, that's that that'll shorten the game too. So it's you know the game is great. It's the slow pace. I love going to the game and and casually have a nice conversation with a good friend watching the game. It's it's a wonderful time, you know. So, but Universal DH, I'm for that. I, I, even as a Dodger fan, I'm a, I'm for that too. I've I've just as Mike mentions a lot of times too. Remember, sports are entertainment. They're also entertainment. So if you tweak one thing or the other, we don't have to act like you know the whole world is changing. It's it's better for the fans. It's more fun for the people watching. It, it makes the games a little bit more high scoring and and just a little bit a little bit better offensively. Everybody wants to see a little bit more offense, right? Right, Bob? Yeah. Absolutely. And no more strikeouts. I mean, just put the ball in play, you know? Yeah, no, amen to that. Robert, hey, before hey, we let you go, um, yeah, I wanted to, to make mention that Bob is kind enough to donate his $50 winnings to the Sam Thompson Memorial Foundation. I'm a board member of that organization. I just right now press submit while we're on the phone. I'm going to tweet a screenshot of it. Thank you on behalf of the board. And, uh, you know, I wish we had more time with you because I'd, I'd want to ask how, how you knew about that organization, why you made that decision. But maybe you could reply to the tweet and uh, hopefully bring some more attention to the organization and the good things that we do over there. So thank you so I much, Bob. Fantastic. Really enjoyed having you on with us. Thanks, Bob. And All we'll right. have to bring you back on to talk some Minnesota when the, uh, the Twins are doing well this year. All right. I'd love to do that. Thank you. Robert Hagen. Awesome stuff, guest. Man. Yeah, that yeah. was great. Fun, fun stuff really today, Mike. Stuff. Today, 
Today was a fun show because, like we said, we didn't really have like a set. We were just kind of bouncing around to a few of the the hot topics. So I like these shows. Yeah, free flowing. We don't get a chance to do it too often, but today was a really good one. Happy Valentine's Day to my uh, my work husband, Mike Abadir. Uh, I love <laughs> I, I love you, buddy, and uh, I hope you have a nice night. And I look forward to talking to you again next week. Right back at you, my friend. Take care, everyone. Enjoy a great sports weekend, and we will talk to you same time next week. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.